Welcome to another episode of Series 10 of York Hospital Ball. This week we move from the 80s into the 90s and who better to discuss that era than Alan Little, the man who led York City to promotion in 1993 and was the man who masterminded the iconic victories over Manchester United and Everton in the League Cup. This episode is proudly sponsored by Planning Prospects, a planning, development and regeneration consultancy company who specialise in securing planning permission for their clients across the country. If you have property and are looking to obtain planning permission, then they may be able to help. Get in touch with them via their website www.planningprospects.co.uk www.planningprospects.co.uk York Hospital Ball is a spin-off of York Hospital Radio, a charity currently celebrating 59 years of providing a vital service to patients in York Hospital. If you are enjoying this series of the podcast, then please consider donating, no matter how big or small, to our charity via justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio. That's justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio. But right now, it's time to sit back and enjoy hearing the thoughts of York City legend, Alan Little. First of all, Alan, uh, absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, like I've said to you before, so many people have asked me, uh, to, when are you getting on a little on? And it's great to finally have you on the podcast. And I thought, because it's so much York City to discuss, I thought we'd pick it up just slightly before you came to York City, when you were at Hartlepool United, your assistant to uh, John Bird, who, who later took you to York City. And I believe you sort of retired from playing a little bit early, you were kind of forced into early retirement. Was So was coaching something that you'd always sort of planned on going into? It wasn't until I had my, uh, I was at, when I was at Hartlepool as a player, uh, I broke a leg in the early part of the season and I was a long-term injury. It was about six months, I think, in plaster. I came back from that, but while I was coming back on rehab, I started taking the youngsters on the YTS scheme on a casual basis while I was getting myself back into condition again. And as it happened, I played a few games, but at the end of that season, I was offered a free transfer or the opportunity to coach the kids on a full-time basis. And really, for me, at 30, which in I suppose in that period of time was a player that's getting on a little bit. It was a good move for me, and it proved to be the case because uh, you know I linked up with with John Bird, and John Bird was manager. Really, from there moved up to York, and, and I followed him just after that. Yeah, and did it take much persuading from John to sort of bring you to York? I mean, I didn't know whether you were... Because you, you're sort of from the northeast, aren't you? And Hartlepool, I imagine, would have yeah, been quite I mean, a good fit. John Burt got the job while I was a player there. But they were, they were looking for northeast lads, particularly at Hartlepool, because they found it difficult to get players from a longer distance or without a connection to play for them, do you know what I mean? So it worked for me because I went home and I was with my parents and my brother and all the family were around, which was good for me. So that, that's the way it started, really. Yeah. I mean, the first few seasons at York under John Bird were quite tough, weren't they? And obviously football players 
fails into significance when you sort of consider the death of David Longhurst as well. What do you remember about that kind of time period and, and that day that David tragically uh, lost his life on the pitch? It was a lot of work to be done at York and, you know, John, John was uh, a physically minded manager who wanted hard work and determination. I think that was coming through to the lads and, you know, we're on the edge of a good thing but it never really happened. You know, I think the big move was to bring David Longhurst in. John persuaded the board to pay decent money for him. I think it was around about forty, fifty thousand pounds which was a lot of money and, you know, he came in and brightened everything up and he started playing really well. He was a fit lad, you know, great character and, uh, you know, we tried to move on with him in the side but unfortunately on that uh, drastic day and, and it was totally a drastic day that, you know, he, 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 took, he picked the ball up outside of the box, ran into the box and then basically collapsed and a shocking occasion for me and all the fans and everybody to do with York City because he was so so well loved and so well liked, you know, and it, 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 it was a, a big blow to us. How, how would the sort of management team affected? I, I think I've, I've spoke to a number of players that played that day. I know Chris Marples in particular said that, you know, John really badly affected by it and I think he, he did he throw a, a glass bottle at the wall or something or, you know... Uh, he was really frustrated. I, it must have been really yeah. difficult. I mean, it must have been. I guess you all must have tried to kind of gather around each other to, to kind of pick you all everyone oh, up. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a massive shock. And I mean, you know, like you say, we we went to the funeral in his in his. Uh, I think it was somewhere near the Midlands. Everyone was on coaches. We went for the day, but it was a, it was a it was a real downer for the club, if you like. Mm. It was something we we had to get over, and we did, you know. But in, in that near future, John obviously was offered the job at York, and John took the job there at York, and thankfully he asked me to go with him I had no real hesitation to be fair yeah I mean I thought John Bird's time at York City wasn't hugely successful I mean he clearly had an eye for a player didn't he I'm thinking of the likes of sort of John McCarthy Kylie yeah. Ray Warburton and Nigel Pepper all sort of uh, signed from in that time period and there's lots more I could have mentioned as well why do you think it didn't quite work out for him again it's a results business isn't it you know and we were tagging around the wrong end of the table there was good players there you know you mentioned John McCarthy there I had him at Hartlepool as a youth team player on a, on a part time contract he's his university boy very intelligent lad and I suggested to John that we should take him on board you know and it, that was a good thing for not just for York City but I think for the future of John McCarthy who was uh, to move on in the future for quite a lot of money he did a great job for York City absolutely did my, my favourite all time player and and John Ward came in obviously to replace John Bird a lot of managers do bring in their own sort of men don't they but, but you you were kept on and I mean I just wonder was that awkward given your relationship with John Bird that, that you'd sort of been with him at Hartlepool and been with him at York City was it difficult those early days to sort of build up that rapport with John Ward it was I mean John Bird and myself were similar types of characters if you like the old school who demanded high demands of discipline and all those things that went with football which we thought was right you know hard work and we, and we were both very similar in that way both had the same styles how we play football at the level we were at how did we get results and it worked very well when John left was sacked you know I, I, I was pretty concerned that I was possibly on the way down on the way out as well but John Ward and the chairman everybody accepted that I was the right man to, to help him along the way as I had been doing with John Bird you know and I, and I took it on board and John Ward was a was a very good coach a very happy jolly lad and it was a, it was a, it was a laugh and a joke at times but we got serious and he knew how the way to get serious you know and John did a great job and I was happy just to tag along and be one of the lads and 
you know what I mean mm. help to see the problems that he maybe didn't see and sorted those things out with him and it worked pretty well to be fair initially John Ward I, th- I think you know working with with the same players that John Bird had I think the club was still sort of struggling at the end of that, that first season that John was there yeah. but in the second season you know the summer of yeah. 1992 York City signed Paul Barnes I just wondered what, what your first impressions were of Paul you know like the first day of pre-season and did you feel that York were capable of a promotion challenge didn't really take a hold I mean John again we, we watched Barnes play at Stoke City that's where he was from and John and myself went on three or four occasions to uh, to look at him to see if he's the right player for us and obviously he was totally committed to football it was a great move for him I think you know he had a he had a major knee problem at Stoke but again it was something we took a bit of a gamble but it was proved to be okay because look how look how we played and look what he achieved for York City I mean he was fantastic on the pitch often after games he had ice on his knee because he had a problem but he kept playing and he kept on going and he scored loads of goals and that was a big difference yeah I mean and yeah you sort of compare those players that John Bird had they, they yeah. were probably just lacking that kind of 25 yeah. goal a season striker yeah. right then and so, so did you think when, when sort of Paul was banging him in in pre-season do you think did you think he, he would sort of go on to do what he, he did achieve uh, yeah I mean it was he just he, he just was a winner he was a winner and he was a goal he was a goal scorer a finisher sometimes he, he didn't work back or he didn't do the things he wanted but we always knew he'd score you know and he, and he did score and he scored loads of goals and that boosts the confidence of everybody doesn't it and with the back line being more solid with Paul Stankley you know, and, and players like that at the back, when Pepper in midfield, it became to be, it became to be a strong unit and a very confident group, group of lads that went on to achieve what they achieved. Yeah, I mean, and York started the season on fire, didn't they? And, and John Ward's sort of stock began to rise, and, and I think Bristol Rovers came in for him a number mm. of times before he went. Were you surprised when when it was announced that he was leaving to go to Bristol Rovers? Did you did you kind of know that that was in the, the pipeline? There was there was things going on. There was I think there was a, there was other teams as well or another club available as well and we heard the rumour and I heard John was saying to me that he'd had an offer from Bristol Rovers I think what, what helped him along the way was he was from the Midlands and from Birmingham he had a, a place in York which he went to and went home at weekends and I think the opportunity to go be, be at home and travel from there to, to Bristol you know what I mean was a was a big pull it would be a big pull for anybody it was a good club and a big club and you know he took his chance and, and obviously he, he took his chance it was an opportunity there for him at Bristol Rovers and, and you got a chance and an opportunity at York City to, to be the main man and the manager yeah. were you sort of offered the manager's job was, was there a process did you have to apply What? What? how did this sort well, of all come about you being in charge well I was interviewed in the boardroom unexpectedly it was just a normal board meeting you know I, I took control for a couple of games you know what I mean before and they offered me the job which I was absolutely delighted to take you know I, I had no expectations to be a manager even even at that time mm. you know I was I was quite happy in, to learn my trade and keep learning my trade but it, it proved to be, for me, the right decision. You know, my first game in charge, we went to Barnet and won five, which was probably not expected at the time when John left because everyone thought things may go to pieces when John goes. And it didn't happen that way. You know, we had a great game at Barnet and a, and a fantastic start for me. And it gave me the confidence to say, well, you know, this is probably a good thing for me. You know what I mean? And, and I went on from there, you know. And John Bristol Rovers came to York, I think, in that season. And we got together and we went out for a meal. I had to buy the meal because they beat us 2-1, <laughs> which was quite funny. And then I think we drew away 
played Bristol Rovers at the second occasion. So, but John was a good mate of mine, and we got on really well. Going back slightly to that that first game in charge away to Barnet, I think there's, there's a sort of picture sort of that does the rounds now and again of, of you sat at the front of the coach, the team yeah. coach on the way to Barnet, and you look very sort of deep in thought. And I just wondered if you can sort of remember, probably not what you were thinking at that moment in time, but what were you kind of nervous before that Barnet game? You know, obviously it's a long coach travel oh. down to London, isn't it? What what were you thinking on that coach? I think I was just I was in the I was in the position where I'd never been before. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. I, and I was basically the one who's going to hold the flag, take the flag, or take the the, the 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 congratulations. And it happened to be the right way for me. But I remember sitting at the front and John Dodsworth, bless him, because John Dodsworth, the coach driver, passed away. He was a great he was a great fan of the club, and I sat with him a bit, and he used to he settled me down a bit. The older guy driving the coach, and I was happy to be at the front, nice and peaceful, and just have some thoughts. And John was always cracking a joke or two to try and cheer things up. But uh, you know, it worked out well. Worked out very well. And a lot of York City fans often still say now that, that that's one of the best ever away days that they've had, you know, winning 5-1. Uh, and, uh, and and when you see the sort of footage on YouTube now, you know, you can see the players coming off the pitch and they're, they're kind of going to you and hugging you and celebrating with you. Yeah. W- was there ever a worry about your relationship having to change? Because obviously they all wanted you to get the job and everyone I've ever interviewed in the past speaks so highly of you and, and they wanted yeah. you to get the job and do well but when you're a coach and you're assistant manager you can almost be the good yeah. cop can't you but, but now yeah, you've got to be the bad yeah. cop at times how, how did that sort of dynamic work in your head and, and was that ever an issue sort of in the early days I don't think so I think I, as I say I think I, I, I stamp the author, authority if you like as a manager even after the game with Barnett you know it's a, it's a matter of sitting down and saying this is what I'd expect this is what I demand and there's lines to be drawn and if you go beyond the lines which they're all aware of you know there'll be problems but they were such a good group of lads do you know what I mean and the, the togetherness was like you say after games we'd, we'd all go in the social club together I'd go in with the players and the wives and my wife we'd sit and talk together win, lose or draw we often down the, went down the local pub after the game and I'd always join with my wife and my kids and, mm. and there was a bond there between us all and, and I think that gained the respect and I got respect from the players and I think the players respected me and, and it worked very very well and that's how I was as a person as a manager a lot of the players as well who have interviewed of, often say as well that you used to join in training quite a lot and oh, of, yeah. often would kick players 10 feet in the air I just wondered whether that was to sort of keep that intensity in training was was kind of designed that you you kind of going in as committed Absolutely. as you would in a match to, to make sure that they were doing that on a match day and I also Absolutely. wondered whether you ever came sort of um, some of those tackles with, with Nigel Pepper <laughs> Nigel was a character and uh I, do. I think again there's mutual respect sometimes you keep away from each other don't you when you know what you're going to get but uh, no uh, you know sometimes if, I, if, if somebody needed toughening up a little bit they just need a little reminder you know, I love to join in and the players like me to join in you know because I, I enjoyed a good five aside or a eight aside what have you do you know what I mean but it was all it was all in good spirit no doubt about that I mean I mean, York had a, had a great end to the season and uh, I think they beat Scarborough as well in the in the last home uh, game uh, Nigel Pepper penalty and getting into the playoffs was such a massive Massive thing, wasn't it, for the club? You know, yeah. having the, having the two legs against Bury, which were two very very close fought games. Were, um, were, were, were you confident of, of achieving promotion, or, or were you just kind of delighted to be in the playoffs? I thought we had the side to do it. There's a turned out crew with the team that we played, but we always did well against Crew Alexandra in the league. We played well against Crew. We always got results against Crew, so that 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 part didn't bother me. The Bury one, like I say, was a different story. We had to be tight away from home. Just didn't want to be behind with coming back to your 
York but obviously it happened the right way for us we were solid and strong got a good result not a great game and the home game I'm trying to think of the lad's name again I've forgotten but he got the goal for us who hadn't scored all season that's right I mean that, that was my next question Alan to be honest Gary Swan yeah. uh, Gary Swan and I kind of wondered right. if there was ever any sort of banter in the changing rooms about the fact he'd not scored all season absolutely dead right there was dead right I mean it was a totally unexpected apparently he came as a goal scorer an attacking midfield player but as it happened for all he was a good player he just he didn't score never scored and uh, it happened to be that game which was quite unbelievable really yeah and it was it was a bullet header wasn't it and then of course you know get getting to Wembley I mean leading a team out at Wembley you, you must have been so proud and, and the fact that obviously you were only appointed kind of manager in, in sort of mid-March yeah. I mean at the start of March you were probably just, just thinking you know I'm, I'm going to yeah. be the number two for the rest of the Absolutely. season and then all of a sudden you're walking the team out of Wembley it must have been incredibly proud moment for you and your family yeah it was a special day Special day, and we did it. We did it the right way. We didn't go overnight as in London. We didn't. We didn't stay after the game in hotels. We just went back to our little group after the game, back to the club. We felt that was right. But my parents were there, you know, and it was, it was a great day and a great thing after. But straight after the game, we're on the coach and on the way home. I mean, York, York, York were fantastic in in the game itself against Crew. I mean, John McCarthy, <laughs> we mentioned earlier. I mean, he was you know unplayable on the day and nearly scored one of the best goals ever at Wembley. I think if he'd have, if he'd have managed to finish it off, and and Paul Stancliffe as well, sort of colossus at the back I mean great great team performance how did you feel sort of with that team performance being so good I mean obviously Steve Tuttle comes on doesn't he handballs yeah. it we're just as York City yeah. are looking like we're going to win yeah. win the game what was, wow. your, what was your feeling when, when the penalty was given against Steve it, it was an obvious penalty Tuttle had a rush I think his arm was out his arm was next to his head and he and he decided it was <laughs> it was going to be a handball so and that's what he did but you know these things happen in football you know it was a, another pressure point wasn't it another pressure point to, to where the game went to in penalties but overall you know the fans enjoyed the day I, I had a terrific day it's something I'll never forget for the rest of my life you know it's, uh, it was special for everybody at York City as well I think yeah oh, absolutely and did you did you have a hand with sort of picking the penalty takers were, were they kind of already no we, we were all preset it was preset when the team when the boys knew they're all practicing in the week anyway they're all passing balls into the goal with the keepers and the five really picked itself and even on the day where at the end of the 90 minutes and the penalties I spoke to the players and I said who wants to take it I'll take the first one and the next one took and they were all up and they were all up for taking it we knew who they were but the order had to be given first, second, third, fourth and fifth and obviously they, they wanted it in that order and we sorted it between us and that's what we did and, and were you quite surprised when Wayne Hall was the one who was, who was fifth? No, no I'm full confidence in Gina Gina was a, a quite a quiet lad to be fair he wasn't he wasn't uh, loud or, or, or anything with anything like that he was just a normal type of nice nice guy he was happy to do it and I was happy for him to take it to be fair yeah and were you were you kind of watching the penalties through your fingers or were you, were you quite, quite confident? <laughs> no I was I was okay to be fair yeah I've got to be nervous I've got to say on the day you've got to be nervous when you're coming against penalties but uh, you know we had a good goalkeeper as well didn't we Dean Kiley you know and I, th- and I think and I think that's another that was another bonus for the club at that position in time and of course you know the celebrations you mentioned there you went straight back to York but there was an open top bus parade as well wasn't it and again yeah. there's a really nice photo of you and Paul Stancliffe uh, on the front of the coach that's right, right yeah and, and yeah. you know you must look back with that with, with such fond memories yeah I mean 
I mean, the fans turned out in force as well. You know, to, for a small club like York, there's a lot of people on the streets that day, and it was fantastic to see. And it made the, they appreciated what what we'd done and what we'd achieved. So it was fantastic. And the, the, your sort of first full season in charge again. You know, <laughs> an incredible season, and you know, York City getting in the playoffs again. But but sort of in the season itself, beating Swansea on the opening day and, and big uh, teams like Cardiff 5-0 and Blackpool away uh, 5-0 I think gosh. it was 20, 20 clean sheets as well kept that season I mean yeah. it, it was wow. a, almost for me sort of one of the best York City sides ever one of the best seasons you know they were so close to sort of getting to the equivalent of what is the championship now we, yeah, yeah. You, you must have been almost pinching yourself at how well that, that side did I, I almost feel like you got it to the mm. absolute limit that those players could, could kind of mm. get to yeah I think I think the side was well balanced and it was a great mix of players and, and to be fair the results some of the results that you've just said were absolutely unbelievable really and that, that slip at Stockport away for Stanny Paul Stancliffe who fell at the last at the last one he was just outside the 18 yard box and it was took off him at there and they scored and beat us 1-0 you know that was something we had to put up with we, we, we could have made it we could have were so close to making it but uh, it wasn't to be but a great achievement to get where we'd got I mean it would even be great if we'd been in the championship but uh, like I say it just didn't happen for us yeah well one interesting thing that's sort of always been debated really through the people I've interviewed before is that I know like the likes of Nigel Pepper sort of felt that York City were always a couple of players short of, of kind of getting to that next level and, and almost bemoaned that that Douglas Craig maybe didn't release the funds to allow you to do that but then someone like Paul Barnes said well actual facts that might have been a financial difficulty for York City so I just wondered as a manager what your point of view was like whether you felt that you were restricted to sort of push York City on or whether you, whether you think it was kind of you yeah. were working with, with what the yeah. maximum resources you could have I think that was the case I think at the end of the day I sat in board meetings and the financial things were brought up every every board meeting and it was very difficult with three and a half four to five thousand per game you know, to, to go and speculate more money. You know, we we not we'd not spent a lot of money in the market apart from Paul Barnes possibly and but it it sort of changed, didn't it, at the end of that for the start of next season because Bosman came in or Bosman was threatened to come in. You know, we wanted to resign all the players you know, which you've talked about, the Barnes's, McCarthy's, the Graham Murdy's, all of these players we wanted to keep. But their, their contracts were, in, were were running out in 12 months and less. And they all were aware of Bosman and what they could achieve in the future, possibly somewhere else in a bigger club and a higher wage. York paid the best they could, but it wasn't the best wages in, the, in this division or the next division. And as it turned out, most of these players were sold because the contracts weren't there for them and they wouldn't agree contracts. So we had no choice really but to, to move them on. And that, that's when the difficulties came. Because when you lose players like McCarthy, Barnes, or Kylie, all these players, Bertie, you know, for for good money, big money, it was, I, th- I thought it was for me, just about impossible to replace those players. And I didn't replace them. And that's why my story ended at some point because of that situation. Yeah, no, and that's that's incredibly sort of insightful, Alan. I mean, I, I think you you're absolutely right. How do how do you replace someone like John McCarthy who who was yeah. just, just I tried, incredible. I tried, and and you know we paid good money for for players. Stevie Agnew, the lad from Burnley. You know, I paid, I paid, we paid good money, but we had to pay that sort of money. At the end of it, they weren't they weren't a match for the players I had before, even though reputation said and my vision was these are players good enough for us and it didn't work that way that was for me very sad but I understand why the club pay, couldn't pay the wages that these players demanded yeah. because if you look at them all they all went on to do better things 
Yeah, and, and it's so, difficult to stand in the way of someone like a John oh, McCarthy yeah. or Paul Bates, I mean, who I mean, could have really got to the top, couldn't they? Yeah, Jonathan Greening, for example. Jonathan Greening, 16 years old, 70 years old, in, in the first team, looks a fantastic talent. Man United come knocking on the door. You can't say to the lad, you're not going, or we can't give him the opportunity to go if it's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I had, I had him in the office and I said, look, Man United would like you to go up for a bit, for a, for training for a week. What, what do you think? You know, the possibilities are there. And how can you stop them? I couldn't, I couldn't stop them. The chairman couldn't stop them. It was the right thing for the boy and the right thing for the club. And there was a lot of money involved and there was money in the future, locked into it. And... You know, York City did okay out of it. But by that time, I was on my way out, or I was out, and things started to change. I mean, speaking of Man United, we have to talk talk about that game. I mean, uh, like like I mentioned there, you know, two two fantastic seasons, um, both getting in the playoffs in the league. But the next Mm. two seasons were were really all about the League Cup and 1995 Man United. I mean, obviously, once the draw's made... Obviously, everyone's excited and stuff like that. How, how do you prepare as a manager to face what are at that time, you know, one of the best teams yeah. in the world? And what are, yeah. are you sort of preparing, thinking we need to go yeah. there and make sure we don't get a drubbing, or, or are you quite yeah, yeah. positive well, thinking? Well, I was always quite positive about the team's abilities, and I remember that they'd, they'd beat Ipswich nine nil a couple of weeks before we arrived there at Man U. And well, there's not a lot you can say, you know what I mean? To, to players, we play our normal way. That was that was the thing. We play how we play. And my biggest thing, which I thought was right for us with players like Giggs and all these top players, is you don't dive in, you don't lose your ground, stand up in front of them, you can't just go and sell yourself because they'll rip you apart. And basically, from the back, we stood firm, we didn't dive into people, we didn't we didn't commit ourselves. And I think that was one of the biggest attributes on the night. Then we had the strength of Barnes down the back of them. They didn't like the ball down the back of them, the two centre-backs. Paul Barnes had a field day, you know what I mean? We had players with pace in the side. And I think that, that on the night, that worked. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when the team lineup came out, were, were you surprised? Because I, I know Nigel Pepper said, that, you know, it was a real strong lineup, but the fact that they had like the likes of Kevin Pilkinson in goal and Pat McGibbon at the back, they were like almost yeah. key positions where, like you say, with the likes of yeah. Paul Barnes, that there, there was a chance that, that York City could yeah. sort of exploit. I mean, obviously, I don't think anyone could have imagined that it would have been 3-0. And also, York City were well worthy of, of winning 3-0 yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. But did, yeah. did that give you a little bit of hope when you saw that lineup? It did give us a little bit of uh, belief, I think. But the lads were confident on the night, you know, and uh, it's it worked really well. But I think it proved in the second leg that we still had some grit and determination when we when we looked at the, t- the line-up there. It was, a, it was a fantastic line-up. The whole lot were playing. Everyone you could think of had the big names were all out. And we got through. We got through with a, with a goal from uh, Scott Jordan, if I remember. That's right, yeah. Well, Scott Jordan debate with, with Paul Barnes when it was almost like they struck it at the same time. Before that second leg, though, I mean, obviously, Dean Kiley got... A really bad uh, injury, didn't he, at Hull City, meaning that Andy Warrington had to make his debut. And Andy went on to have a fantastic career, but he was I think he was only 19 at the time. What were you thinking when Dean went down injured? Were you kind of worried about Andy playing in such a big occasion? And obviously, second to that, we were 2-0 down (laughs) within 10 minutes. What what were you thinking? I think... I think to be fair, Andy was totally untested. Really, you know, he played uh, central league football, and uh, it, it's a massive step for the boy, wasn't it? Really, Dean's injury was horrific. Dean Carley's, it was a terrific injury to his face, and 
he did he did well to recover and to have a, a full career with because the keeper you've got to be you've got to have no fear and when you've had a knock like that you know it's it's a difficult one to get over but he's, he was a great pro and he's still in the game today you know so you know the lad's done really well for himself so that going back to that Man United scoring two quick goals early on and and, and obviously Scott John got that goal just before half time I think what what was your half time team talk like in that game because obviously against Man United who, who just need a couple of goals and got all their big guns out that must have felt like a long yeah. long time to kind of play in the second half how, how did you get your players through that it's just a matter of you've got to stick at it we've got to stick at what we believe in you know because it's too easy to go off to go off shape and to do to, 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 to rush things and to go diving into people and those sort of things will, will get you get you murdered against Manchester United and you know we kept it going and, we, and it wasn't it wasn't brilliant but we kept it going we kept them out and it just went right on the night and it was a fantastic night the, the biggest thing about that game the big that, that, that affected our season greatly I think mm. because the workload of the players and what the players put in on that night for you know to play against a club like that the effort was unbelievable I remember we went Peterborough yeah. within the week and we got beat 6-0 or 5-0 mm, 6-1 and, in, yeah, and people weren't very happy with that and they don't realise that the, the energy that was spent on these two ties and what was going on in the heads and you know it was very difficult and uh, I think it took us a while to recover in fact you know then we had another big one after that and you know it's, 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 it was a difficult time you know, and, that, yeah. and I think that's the difference between the play, the elite players and the players at the lower level. These elite players have got this ability to keep going, and, the, and they've got that little bit extra. And, and you know, it just it, it paid on us. It just cost us the rest of the season, really. Yeah, I mean, I think York City fans. I, mean, I certainly would take that. Looking looking back. Having a, having a poorer season in league but still beating Man United. I mean, just before we leave the Man United game, what was it like with, with sort of Alex Ferguson? Did he, you know, he's oh. famous for sort of inviting managers in for a glass of red wine after, after a game. Did you get that treatment after no. the... F- 3-0 win? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. We, we actually, uh, he finished an interview and I'd walked in straight after. Uh, he shook me hand, to be fair, but he, he didn't have much to say, <laughs> which was quite uh, quite strange, really. But uh, Alex is very competitive, do you know what I mean? And, mm. I, and I don't know him that well. I met, I met him in our training ground when we opened it, because he opened the training ground for me and we walked around together and talked about football, which was really great. Uh, I met him at the football writers meeting in Manchester when I was uh, given manager of the year at York City sat next to me on the on the table what a great bloke what a legend I mean unbelievable it's uh, been mixing with people like that for me after being in a manager's job for a few months do you know what I mean mm. fantastic yeah it must be great memories and, and another kind of great memory I thought I thought for you might have been QPR game which again is, is often talked about by York City fans as being a great away day and, and one of my biggest memories from that night was, was the second half which the whole of the second half I think every every York City fan was singing Alan Little's Barmy Army and it was just echoing around Loftus Road I know they say you can't kind of replicate playing but that must be up there for you in terms of like you know emotion and kind of feeling about about supporters kind of getting behind you because I think even I Tony Roberts in goal for QPR was nodding his head along yeah. to it. It was it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, it was a big night for the fans. It was the fans were enjoying what was going on, and, and it's great. It's great to hear your name. It, it gives you a boost when people are shouting your name in the stand, and you think, wow, these guys are fine, aren't they? You know what I mean? Everything's great, and uh, you're appreciated what you're doing. You know, and, and you know, and that you want that to continue. 
you because you want that every week, you know. But in football, that's pretty much impossible. You know, when the tide turns a little bit, it starts going the other way. But you've got to accept that, and I accepted that. The bad, you know, there was bad times at York City when I was there. It wasn't all good. We had bad results when the Burnley lost seven-one. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there was loads of things which would counteract the good. Do you know what I mean? you've always got to remember the good things absolutely and one, one, one of the good things as well was the year after beating Everton obviously both legs oh, were, yeah. were, were brilliant performances you know the home game in particular I mean the atmosphere at Boone Crescent that night is, is I think up there with, with some of the best yeah. ever nights I've ever been there yeah. and, and it also kind of launched Graham Murty I felt you know what, what was he like to work with he, he was incredible that night wasn't he against Everton yeah Graham was a I, I used to watch the under 15s under 16s on a weekend on a Sunday having a look at the the Creswells and the Greenings and oh, the, the Murties and all of these young lads you could see the talent was there you know and it was Murty was a, quite a soft character quite he used to get an injury or two and he always it was always worse he was always thinking it was worse than what it actually was you know what I mean mm. one of them type of players you got to cajole him along a little bit and bring him out of his shell and get him out on the training ground And but uh, what a talent what an engine he had a great engine you know and a great attitude to the game and he was up and down like a ferret he was unbelievable he, he could play centre midfield full back he was a lovely lad a lovely lad and I, me and my wife looked after the digs when I was at York we had a spell when we looked after the get the house where the YTS was my wife used to do the cooking I used to keep keep everything right the discipline was right everything and Murdy was in that group and what a lovely bunch of lads they were as well yeah and, and, and a lot of those players you know I was, I was looking back last night as to some of the players and you mentioned there Graham Murray, Richard Creswell Jonathan Green it was also like Darren Williams as well I mean they all went yes. on to have such fantastic careers it must make you so proud to sort of see them yeah. develop and you know almost see some yeah, of these yeah. players on match of a day and think well I was I was coaching him four years ago whatever it was it, it, that almost almost make you as proud as, as as when you're working with them yeah I mean when you see them in the future doing well for themselves you know in the, the spirit we had together it's re- it was really nice for me you know, knowing that they've all moved on and they've all done well. Graham Murdy even was close to the manager's job at Rangers. He was caretaker manager for a while, which quite surprised me, really, you know, for him to go into coach and then into management. That shows the character and the confidence of the lads. You know, he's, he's, he's had that attitude to say, well, I can do something here. Great for him, great. Absolutely marvellous. You know, like, like we said there about the, the Everton game and the Man United game, I mean, there must have been a lot of kind of money made for York City in that, in that kind of time period. Oh, I'm sure there was. And, uh, you know, and like I said, a lot of York fans maybe think that that they should have sort of speculated to accumulate but what yeah. what was your that all obviously all came down to Douglas Craig what what was your relationship like with Douglas Craig oh, well I put it this way I knew where I stood he, he was shortened to the point and he made his point and you know at the end of the day I respected what he said you know and I had my say you know at the end of the day in board meetings but anyway he was a he was a strong character and everyone knows that everyone knows what type of man he was but he was the right man he was the right man at the time I felt he was in charge of things and that's the way it was 1998-99 season was obviously such a weird season I know this was your last one at York City mm-hmm. but you know we beat Man, man City in December and uh, and I remember going yes. to Wick, Wick and Wanderers on um, on January the second yeah. as well, and another great away performance, one two yes. one there. But then after that, almost like the team couldn't buy a win. I mean, they're, yeah. they're in the top half of the table in the new year, yeah. but then couldn't buy that win even at Notts County in your last game. I think we scored oh. early on. I think Rodney Rowe got a looping header, and then then it fell apart again. Well, how desperate were you to to kind of turn it around, and and how devastated were you to leave York City after eleven years? Once the team gets into the position that we were in, it's really difficult to get it back. You know, the players lose a bit of confidence. They lose a bit of confidence in me, and I'm 
pushing for try, trying to get things right again and you, you force things on players and it, it gets difficult you know what I mean then players start the, the mind starts swaying to is the better thing somewhere else and it's a natural progression in football it happens everywhere not just York City it happens everywhere every club's the same it's, it has its great times and all of a sudden it turns the other way managers change you know, players change and it's still the same today and that's how it was how were you told that you were losing your job was that was you know did Douglas Craig bring you in or uh, how yeah, were you told yeah I, I was in a board meeting and I think it was 10 games without a win or 10 games with one point we just had a fans forum which was a difficult night for me and my staff and difficult for the directors as well I, I presume and it wasn't long after that when I think it was the next board meeting to be fair I was told that my time was up and I had nothing but respect for the directors at the time personally that, that's my opinion that uh, I was respectful of them it didn't cause me any problems whatsoever apart from they've sacked me but mm. I've, got to, I've got to accept that decision on the day and it happened and, and I wasn't really surprised it was going to happen but I tried my best I tried my best to turn it and I still think today if I'd have been at the club in them last eight or nine or ten games, I think I could have still pulled it around, you know. But that wasn't to be, you know, and that's mm-hmm. their choice. And uh, I accepted it, and I took it, and I took it on the chin, if you like, and I, and I moved away and moved on. And, and again, you know, very honest of you to speak like that. And, and just sort of finally, before we sort of finish off with York City, I just sort of looking back at some of your signings as well you you mentioned there about you know it was really hard to sort of replace the likes of John McCarthy and Paul Barnes and stuff like mm-hmm. that and I, and look through sort of some of the signings that you made during your time and there were some real gems in there wasn't like Alan Powton and Tony Barris oh, yeah. players like that but then when you did get a chance to sort of spend money it was the likes yeah. of sort of David Rush Adrian Randall still yes. York City's record sign Rob Matthews and they all sort of didn't Matthews. work and, and no. I didn't know, you know, is that just because every signing's a risk and you just don't know what, what's going to happen? I just wondered why why the ones where you did spend money didn't quite work out and do you have any regrets with those players? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they didn't fit into our, how can I put it, our, our environment. They didn't play in the style I expected them to play in. You know what I mean? And, and for big money... For big money, and it was big money. It was difficult, and I, and I think that was that was the the start of the downfall for me. But again, it's all down to players. It's all down to players and what their attitudes are. And they they maybe I should have looked deeper into things. I, I wasn't in charge of how much we paid for players or you know what wages they were going to get because that was passed over to the board of directors in a very early stage. Because I came to the point where I was spending more time arguing about wages with players to directors. It, it just came too big for me. It too much for me so I said eventually that the, the board should take over all the, all the, the signings and how much money they're going to pay them because end of the day I'd go to a player and say he'd, he'd come and ask for extra £20 a week I'd go upstairs and say oh no give him 15 I'd be back downstairs by the time things got sorted out there was weeks and weeks and weeks and I felt the right thing to do was Put it, put it to the directors and say, can you take over this to take the burden off me? Because at the end of the day, at York City Football Club, I was the only man I trained and coached every day. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, was, I didn't have a big pack of coaches behind me and, and I had so, much, so many things to do. I was on the training ground every day. I was out taking the reserves to, to matches in the in the Central League I was going to matches five nights a week you know and these mm. these things that people don't realise it takes its toll so I didn't want to say oh I want to buy him for £200,000 chairman I thought it was best for them to decide make the agreement with the other chairmen do what you know I selected the player 
but let them select the wages in the, in the finances. And that's what happened. And at the end of the day, some of them players didn't produce what I've what I saw them produce when I was going to watch them. And that's that's a fact. But Adrian Randall was a proven player. Adrian Randall went to Bury not long after he, when he finished, and he went for good decent money, not quite what we paid for him. But he moved on, and he needed to move on because it wasn't our style. Yeah, and was that was that the same with Rob Matthews then? Because I, I think you were sort of chasing him for about a year before, and then yeah, I think he was yeah, only with yeah. us about four months. Was that just because yeah. he, he didn't sort of I fit think, into the ethos and the style that that you wanted him yeah. to play? He was more a flair player than a constant. Like a, a Tony Cannon was a was a consistent type of player. You knew what you were going to get. You got it every week. He did produce brilliant sunrise but he was always consistent Rob Matthews which which I knew was a flair player and I thought we might need a flair player in the team to fire things off when things aren't going right he had this ability to go past people he could score but then he never proved that but that wasn't right for the side mm-hmm. and that's my mistake you know because we have this work ethic and this way we played and we played the same every week week in week out these players didn't adapt and I, and I probably got it wrong at the end of the day and when you said about you know you, you kind of look looked for you you identified the players, so when we look at people like Alan Powton and Tony Barris, were these people that you'd seen sort of play against York City and then sort of you make a bit of a note or like him Tony or, Bar- or Tony Barris? If I remember, Tony Barris came from Hartlepool, didn't he? I mean, he was a big lad, big tall lad, and he was good in there. He was a young lad at Hartlepool, no hesitation, a good signing, you know, good player. You know, Pounton came from, I think he was ex, something to do with Newcastle, I think. Came on trial with us because he was a great time. In fact, I remember the game at Watford. We played at Watford and uh, the manager at Watford, the famous gentleman, inquired about him after the game. That's how well he played. And he was really a young lad of 17, 18. So he, he was a good player for us. Definitely. When you left York City, you ended up going to Southend United, a, a team yeah. that you'd played for, and, and you took quite a lot of ex-York City players with you, didn't you? Mark Tinkler, Nigel Pepin, Neil Tolson. Yeah. That was because I went into a club that was a big club. Southend was a big club that had a big squad, big, big players on big money, and I knew that I needed... I needed to, to straight away to get people in who I knew what I could get out of them if I could settle this team down a little bit and they came in I, we paid good money for them York were happy to pass them over they all did really well for me York Martin Carruthers up front scored goals for fun at South End. It, it was right Tinkler was, it was what we needed in midfield and I bought them and they all did well and, and I think in the second season I, I went there with eight games to go uh, and I had a squad of players that I didn't know uh, they, they wanted to play one way or a certain way and I tried to teach them and I did change them and, and we stayed up because we were going down mm. we had eight games to go My, the pressman at South End said to me what are you going to be like in the conferences and we're not going in the conference but they, they were insisting that I'm going in the conference but we, we didn't we pulled it round won the first game at Orient 3-1 Neil Campbell, who was at York, one of my lads, was, was sold to them. He scored two on the day. And my opening game, I won 3-0. And mm. I was a hero. We managed to stay up. And I thought, from what we had, the players needed time to adjust to me. And I thought, next season, we're going to really go for something. And it turned out that way, because in that season, we were fourth in the table. And the club decided it was a change of direction. 
that I needed to go. They wanted to go in a different direction, which I found it hard to accept. But, uh, you know, I had no choice. I had 20 months of a contract to run and they told me that I was no longer needed. And that was a, that's another part of football, the ugly side of football. But uh, that, that's what happened. And you ended up managing Halifax for a short spell and then and then didn't manage sort of after that. Was, was, no. that, a, was that a conscious decision or was that a decision that... Well, it, it's funny. I, uh, after Southend, Brian, my brother, had a, was manager of uh, Hull City and he, he needed somebody to, to look after the scouting side of it on dossiers and players because I had the knowledge of the lower end and Brian wasn't nothing, he wasn't clued up but he, he hadn't been at that level before and he mm. took me on as chief scout so I scouted there for a while and I loved the job and I had a great time signed a few players for Brian for, for Hull who scored a few goals and I was really happy but then out of the blue this Halifax Town made contact out of the blue they asked me to go for an interview I was quite happy where I was I was living in York quite comfortable my wife was happy and the kids were growing up in schools which was great and I took I took the interview and I was offered the job and it was the job I couldn't really turn down I'd been there before yeah. and I thought I could pull this club around but the, the, the truth of the matter was we changed it around and we, we were playing well but not winning we are always losing a 1-0 or whatever and I, I was ill I was ill I had an appendicitis and I phoned the chairman and said I, I've got to go to hospital my appendix need to come out and while I was in hospital I had my appendix out they, they sacked me and uh, they, they said the, the receivers were in they went into administration while I was in hospital and I've got the phone call saying you're not required anymore and uh, that was a blow to me mm. that was a blow because I was ill I, mean, I was really ill and uh, it was something in football that happens probably was stress the stress of the whole thing possibly was something to do with it but you know I wanted to carry on but it didn't happen and that left a bad taste in my mouth really the, the South End release and the Halifax release and then I think football I forgot football and football forgot me. Yeah. I applied for a few jobs. I, I had an interview for Torquay not long after I left South End. I had things going on, but nothing materialised. Basically, from then on, I went back into the workplace as a normal working fella, and I've worked for the rest of my life doing that. And I left football in about 2001. What's that like, Alan, when, when, you, when you go into work yeah. and you sort of think... Because you must think back, like, I was managing a team that won 3-0 at Old Trafford not yeah, that long yeah, ago. Yeah. It must be a surreal it experience because, and a weird transition as well. Yeah, the transition from... Uh, I worked for a, a delivery company in, in York delivering fresh food. And I was delivering fresh and frozen food all over the country, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Plymouth, everywhere, four days a week. I love, I love the job, but nobody knew who I was. Mm. You know, nobody within that company recognised me as Alan Little, a York City manager. or And I was quite happy with that, to be fair. Yeah. I was going along and I was happy with my job. And, and from there, I moved on to Lincoln and I, and I got a job in uh, parcel management. I was a PM shift manager for 10 years and it was a, it was a, it was a hectic job. But I loved the job, you know, but uh, long hours... And it was it was good for me, and it uh, it worked out well, and that's how things have been. I've I've worked ever since, and I've just retired. Two years ago, I retired. Two years in February. And recently, a week ago, I, I met you at the LNER Community Stadium, yeah. uh, which I presume is is probably one of the first times you've been to that stadium. And I just wondered what what your kind of thoughts were about York City, and also I kind of looked at you know the the clubs that you've managed, York City, Southend, and, and Halifax, and they're all in the same division, aren't they? In a non-league, yeah. that must be. Quite weird to see your old clubs all all kind of languishing in the non-league. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it would be easy for me to say, oh, well, I told you so, or whatever you but it's not the case. It's That's that's the way things go in football. But uh, it's sad to see all them three clubs where they are today. York are hopefully making progress. And that uh, you can, I saw the game that on the, on the weekend that they're trying to make progress. They've made a big step into the conference and it looks like they just need a little bit more just to just to get something to get themselves out of there. And I'm, I'm so desperate for them to get back in the league and I'd love to see them back in the league. Out of all them three clubs, that's the club for me that I'd love to see back in the league. And, and what did you make of York City? What did you make of a new stadium? And, and, and what, was, what was it like seeing all, all kind of old faces that came out to see you? I was overwhelmed, to be fair. I think, you know, the game was a little bit of a disappointment because I wanted them to win. But, I mean, you get that in football. But the people's reaction, I never I never thought about that. Even when I agreed to come, I never thought I'd get that sort of reception or be the way people were with me and what they said to me, some private things they said to me in the corridors and wherever, pulling me to one side. And it was absolutely brilliant and it makes me feel like you know I did have a good career and I was a decent manager you know because sometimes you doubt yourself and you think well you know I've been a manager in York City so what but that's not the case you know it's been really it was a special day that brought a lot back to me to be honest well and that's great to hear and I think York City fans will will, uh definitely appreciate hearing that and and I think your sort of spell in charge of York City has almost got better with age I think I think because of what's happened yeah. to York City I, I think people do appreciate kind of yeah. what you did for the club and like, like you say maybe towards the end of your time um, the fans were maybe getting on your back but but probably now look back and think that was a little bit bit, bit hasty really yeah but that's that's how football is the fans always the fans will dictate the fans will dictate to everything at the end of the day you hear them on the television now today and I've been watching again today you're getting sacked in the morning and all this mm. type of thing that's in football you've got to uh, you know I, I, I heard that in my ears sometimes you know what I mean and the heckling in the crowds and you don't like it my family's there and I, my family don't like it but it's a part it's a part of the game you know you go home and you shut your door and you think well it's not so bad after all and you go back again and try again the next time and that's all I did every week I went in to try my best try the best for the club and the team and that's what I've done at all, all three clubs give them everything I've got and uh, you give your best and that's all you can do and, and, and final question Alan when you look back on your time at York City what because there were so many highs, wasn't there? Wembley, Old Trafford, yeah. beating Everton. What is there any and, and QPR? Everyone singing, singing your name. Is there anything that you look back on and think that that was the peak for me? That was that was the pinnacle of my time at the club. It's got to be Man U, hasn't it? To beat them once and to beat them twice over two legs. It's probably unheard of today. I mean, you look at FA Cups on at the moment on the TV. Even some of the smaller clubs now are starting to beat teams in the Championship and lower down. But there's not many go there and beat the big boys at the top when they're in the when in the third when when they're in the third round of this competition. There's not many shocks, you know. So mm. you know, it's a it's a shock that will still stand for a long time. I would think, hopefully. Absolutely. Well, Alan, thank you so much for giving up your time. It, it's been great to speak to you, and uh, you know, hope, hope it's been nice to sort of reminisce over some of those memories for you absolutely you know, and I'll be delighted to come to York anytime it's I really enjoyed my day and I'd love to go back sometime thank you So another one ticked off the podcast bucket list, certainly for me, Alan Little, uh, great to speak to him. We actually recorded that over the phone, which if people were wondering why, it might have sounded a little bit different to normal, but hopefully the content still came across really well. Alan, terrific guy to speak to. Met him very, very briefly at the hospitality for the York South End game, where I literally had a couple of minutes to try and speak to him and ask him if he'd come on and 
and he was more than happy to and it was great to finally tick that one off and Alan's certainly a manager that I think has gone down as legacy has become even better over time you know I think towards the end of his reign he was getting unwarranted stick and if you think about where York City kind of went after that I think we can look back and think that we were quite lucky to have Alan in charge of York City for as long as we did. He was a, he was a great club man. And there's a reason why my dad still sings Alan Little's Army Army on a regular basis, even though he stopped going to York City some 20 years ago. So, yeah, real pleasure to have him on. Next time we're going to have, kind of move forward towards 2012, Matty Blair pretty much interviewed nearly everyone from that squad and to not have Matty on by this point it was a bit criminal really the guy who scored two goals on consecutive weekends so it was great to have him on uh, particularly as he's recently retired it was a good chance for us to look back at his sort of whole career and some really interesting stories and I think people will enjoy that one as well as ever usual kind of calls to action if you're able to donate to York Hospital Radio, please do so via justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. We're currently celebrating 59 years, which I think is a credible achievement really for a local charity providing a service to, to patients in York Hospital. So if you are able to donate, then please do so or sponsor future episodes. I think there will be another series after this, or there definitely will be another series after this. I, I think I've kind of got the, the buzz for it again and I've got other contacts coming my way. So I definitely think that that's in the pipeline. Other ways, again, you know, please do rate us on Spotify, leave an iTunes review, leave a comment. Anything you can do to spread the word is all much, much appreciated by me and, uh, and the charity. And also, you know, if anyone's wanting to get involved with your hospital radio, it is all done by volunteers. People get trained up as presenters, as people working in the background. You know, people like James Charters, who edits all the podcasts for me. Uh, does a great job, he's a volunteer. We always need people, skilled people who, who want to give up their time. And, um, you know, it's a great team to be part of. I'm, I'm privileged to have done it for over 10 years. And if you think that you might want to get involved, then, then please do uh, get in touch. <laughs>